0: Hello, everybody. I hope you are doing well. And we wanted to take a moment to share with you really the heartbeat of Real Life Church, the mission statement and why we do what we do. And a lot of this really starts back all the way at the beginning of our church. And that is all the way back in 2011 when we moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then we started Real Life Church February 5th of 2012. And our vision and our goal was to reach as many people with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ that we could. And we had this idea of, of helping people to go on this spiritual journey to finally arriving at this fully mature state. Well, as we continue to grow and continue to develop our identity within that massive calling, probably about a year or so ago, I really felt like I wanted to just go before the Lord and see if there was a way we could focus in a little bit more. It's kind of like if you've ever been to the eye doctor. You go to the eye doctor and he gives you this one prescription. Then you go back again and he starts you off at the old prescription. Only to find out possibly it's not as clear as it once was. And so what he starts to do is he starts to go through different lenses until he's able to zoom in on that perfect prescription again, right? And that's what I started to do. Time of prayer, time of seeking God, and the question I had was, God, we're already doing what you've called us to do. We're, we're reaching people with your message. The question I have is, is there any closer that we can get? What is it you want from us, Jesus, that we can do to fully fulfill your calling for your church? So I started to study the Scripture, and I was reading through the Gospels, and I read through the the amazing life of Jesus, the three-and-a-half-year ministry of Jesus, and then his his horrible death, greatest day ever for us, bad day for him, resurrection, and then right before he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, he says this in Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples, "'Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.'" Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. When? Over the past three years, right? And then he says, don't worry. You're never going to have to do it alone. I am with you always. And I've read this before. But it was like for the very first time, I got it. And I don't know if you ever watch the Bible like I do, but I watch it in my head, and it's, it's almost like I can see Jesus, you know, he's getting, he's getting to ascend into heaven. And maybe maybe he's already left the ground, and he's saying this stuff, and and he says, you know, I want to tell you what I want you to do. And, and, and there's never a time when he says until, right? He says, go and make disciples. Well, all of a sudden, I was like, it was almost like I was there 2,000 years ago. Because there's never a place in the Bible where he said, okay, enough of that, go do something else. And notice he doesn't even say, go and reach people. That's part of it, but he says, go and make disciples. We'll get to that in a second, but, but I just got really simple with it. And I said, you know what I think God wants us to do at Real Life Church? And so we said it like this. The vision of Real Life Church is we exist to make disciples. <laughs> it doesn't get any more simple than that, right? It's just trying to follow as closely to God's word as we possibly can, and that is to make disciples. Well, I don't know if you noticed in that last verse, but when Jesus told them to make disciples, No one stopped him in midair and said, wait a minute, can you explain that to us? No, they had been his disciples for three years. And so they knew exactly what to do. And we know that because they showed us what they did. Just a little while later, as they were praying in the upper room, perhaps even the same upper room that the Last Supper was at, They were praying and the Holy Spirit descended upon them and it sounded like a a mighty windstorm. And they began to speak in different tongues and they they go out of that upper room and Peter preaches and thousands of people are saved. And then right after that, they start doing exactly what Jesus said. Because the Bible says this, it says that all the believers, the ones who had gotten saved, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including worshiping through the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. And they worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals and with great joy and generosity, while all, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. So you notice they had some kind of template going. After they had reached all these people, there's never a place where they say, anyone have an idea. No, they knew exactly what to do. They started making disciples. Well, here was was the question that hit me, and that is, where did they get the template to do that? And then I started reading through the Gospels, and was like, well, first of all, their leader was Jesus. And so they're following what Jesus did, and if Jesus told them to do things in such a way, so they devote themselves to something, they fellowship, and then they get part of what he's doing, there must be something in the Bible. And then I found it. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus lays the template. The greatest leader in history lays the template for every generation to come after. Let me show you how this works. The Bible said, One day Jesus was walking along the seashore, the the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them and said, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And look what they did. The Bible says that they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, and he called to them as well, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So the Bible said that Jesus looked at these guys who had become the leaders of his church, and he said, this is what I want you to do. You want to be my disciple? Follow me, and in doing so, I will make you fishers of men. This, this didn't just work for Simon and Andrew, but it also worked for James and his brother John. And so this one idea was the template that later the, uh, the apostles use in the book of Acts. And what I love about this was this was a one-size-fits-all idea. As a matter of fact, if you look at it, Jesus went and said this later to a guy named Levi that we now know of as Matthew. And he had all these different people around him. Have you ever looked at the different uh, apostles that Jesus called? I'm gonna give you kind of, I'm gonna give you all of them, but look how different they were. The Bible said that, that Andrew, not only was he a follower of Jesus, but beforehand, he was a follower of John the Baptist. So he already kind of had this idea of what this new idea was looking like. John, he was a, he was a fisherman as well, but he also had, according to some tradition, some priestly background so he understood the Old Testament very very well Peter and James they were fishermen just just a basic knowledge of God Thomas he was like that intellectual type prove it to me show me Nathaniel sort of a racist <laughs> there was this part where Andrew comes to him and he's like we found the Messiah first thing he says is nothing good comes from that area don't worry about it that, that's not the best thing but God still called him anyway Matthew tax collector that means he is an enemy to everybody else He worked with the enemy, the Romans. Then you got Simon the Zealot. He's like the burn it down guy. He's such a revolutionary that part of his name is Zealot. And then you got the jerk, Judas. He's the guy who, he actually wasn't from the area of the rest of them. He was like an, an imported person. He stole from the ministry the whole time he was there. He is the guy who betrayed Jesus. Not my biggest, you know, I'm not a fan, right? But all these different people, you know what Jesus said to all of them? He said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And so who are we at Real Life Church? We follow Jesus and what he said to us to do, and that is to make disciples. How do we do that? With the template that Jesus gave, and that is to follow me, I will make you fishers of men. What does that look like for us? Here's, here's the full sentence. At RLC. we exist to make disciples by following Jesus. The very first thing that we do The very first step on this spiritual journey is we say we need to follow Jesus. Do you know the Hebrew word for disciple is this phrase Talmudim? And a disciple is someone who becomes an apprentice under a master. And when Jesus was telling them this, that's what he was offering them the opportunity to do. And this would have been a great honor to be chosen to follow after a master because it was understood in the culture you were going to learn the secrets of the master so that one day you could be, in this case, a teacher. And this, this was very common in that culture that you didn't graduate from university. You graduated from the tutelage of the master. And many times they would actually move in with the master. They would, they would eat at his table. They would wear clothes that he provided. They were his servants because in the process of living with and just being immersed in the world of their master, they learned the lifestyle of the master. And that's what Jesus is saying. Is He's saying, I want to move in with you. I want you to move in with me. I want you to follow everything I say, do everything I do, because I've got a big idea for you. And that's what we think salvation is. We think it's a time when we repent of our sin, we turn away from it, and we turn toward him and we get under his tutelage, and we say yes sir, no sir, whatever you say sir, we are servants of Jesus. And what that means is, is we start to follow him. And there's never an end to this following. As a matter of fact, toward the end of the Apostle Paul's ministry, he's been a Christ follower for a long time at this point, he's just about to be executed, he rides to the Philippian church and he says, I still want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That brings me so much joy because after serving Jesus for so many years, he's saying there's still more to experience. I like to think of God as like a kaleidoscope. You ever seen one of those? When you look into it, it's beautiful, and all you have to do is just twist it one time and there's something you've never seen. That's the glory of God. And the more we follow him, the more he reveals himself to us. And we believe here at Real Life Church That we follow him by knowing who he is, by knowing his word, and by experiencing his power in our lives. We think the more we know his word, the more we can experience him. And the more we experience his presence and power, the more it drives us back to his word. So who are we at Real Life Church? Primarily, only, we exist to make disciples. And we're doing it in the pattern of Jesus. And therefore, that means follow Jesus means to follow Jesus. Here's the second part. Jesus said, follow me, and then he said, I will make you. What does that mean to us? We exist to make disciples by following Jesus and then growing in freedom. There's this, I think it's inadvertent, like I don't think anyone ever got up on a stage and said this on purpose to anyone, but there's almost this idea that the finish line is salvation. If I could ever just get on Jesus' team, If I could ever just get behind him at this point, I'm done. But actually, that's the starting line. And unfortunately for many of us, if we've never got on Jesus' team, we've never actually even started the race yet. Because it's once we get on his team that he starts to mess with us a little bit. (laughs) He starts to say, hey, I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to let you stay that way. I see a brokenness here. I see a wound right here. I see an unforgiveness that's destroying you here. I see an addiction over here. And the honest truth is, is that when you give your life to Jesus, he goes to war with everything that tries to exalt itself against him. Because he knows that none of that stuff satisfies. All those things do is they mask the pain that's already there. And so what happens is you start to follow him as he starts talking to you. He starts messing with you. He starts making you. And that's what we think the second step is. The first step is to follow him and then let him start growing us into freedom. The Bible says it like this. It says, just as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And as you do that, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and the truth you were taught, in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness let's look at that backwards do you want to be thankful then why don't you grow strong in the truth you were taught how do you do that is by letting your faith grow by being built on him how do you do that by letting your roots grow down into him how do you do that by continuing to follow Jesus and so who are we at Real Church we exist to make disciples how do we make disciples the way the greatest leader in history Jesus made disciples and he did it by number one saying follow me says Jesus and then I will make you, and then the third one he said, I will make you fishers of men. So for us, this is our full mission statement. We exist to make disciples by following Jesus, growing in freedom, and then sharing Christ with others, or everyone. That means the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. Everybody has access to the grace and the glory of Jesus. And I heard someone say one time, There's one thing better than heaven, and there's one thing worse than hell. You know what that is? Taking somebody with you. And so when we start to follow Jesus, and as we follow him, and all these addictions and all these things start to fall off of us as we continue to grow, and that doesn't mean it's easy, it's painful sometimes, but we're doing it together, there should be an excitement that wells up within us. Just like, you ever been to a a restaurant and you loved it so much that they're not paying you, man, you're just a satisfied customer. And so you start telling everybody about it. You're not getting a kickback off of this. You're just celebrating your great experience. Salvation should be like that. We get so excited that we want other people to have the same experience that we had. And so once we start to follow him and we grow in freedom, man, then we get to share that hope with others, which goes all the way back to when Jesus said, go make disciples of all the nation. So who, who are we and what do we do? We exist to make disciples. How? By following Jesus, growing in freedom, and then we share Christ with everyone. Now here's, here's the big question. Here, here it is. How does this grow everyone? Because if you're like me, everything has to pass the so what test, right? Like that's great for you. I don't understand how I fit within this. Or remember how I said that Jesus had the same message for everybody? no matter their background, I think for you, God's plan to grow you into a disciple is the same thing that he said 2,000 years ago, and that is follow Jesus. Let him make you. Let him grow you in freedom, and then, man, let's work together to then share that with other people, and that looks different depending on where you are in your walk of life. And so I've got this, this idea of, of, of everybody is somewhere you know, in five different categories. And, and I want you to kind of take just a moment as we get ready to end our time together. And I want you to think about which one of these five categories are you in? Now, you may have a little bit of all five of them, but you're predominantly in one. Can we agree on that? For instance, when uh, my, my kids were, were, were little babies, uh, let's say toddlers, sometimes I would be impressed at how mature they acted in one situation. And they may have been really mature. They loved, they loved to read as a little kid, but predominantly they were still toddlers, right? Which one do you think that you're in? I, I got five different categories, and this works for all of us. Here's the first one, and that is unborn. Level two is an infant. Level three is a child. Level four is a young adult. And level five is we're going to call them a parent. Now let's break these down for a second. First of all, you got the unborn. We're calling that Judas, okay? Not my, not my favorite disciple, right? The jerk. Well, this is his verse. That is, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. This is someone who isn't a Christ follower yet. And if you're not a Christ follower, and if you are a Christ follower and you come up on one, we got one thing for you, and that is, Jesus loves you. It's the gospel. He came and he died and he rose again for you. And you know what that, their catchphrase is? Show me. There is absolutely nothing wrong with a non-Christ follower asking a Christ follower questions. How else are they gonna know? So there's gonna be people that they're in that role. And you know, what, you know what they need? The gospel, that's what they need. Then you get the next level and that is an infant. Brand new baby believer, we're gonna call that Peter. Peter was constantly making mistakes, you know why? He was a baby believer. Man, his pampers were falling off everywhere. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's walking on water, then he falls. He's, he's uh, he was wanting to, to do uh, some bad things to people because they were, they were preaching without, without being part of their group. And then he goes and he, said, he actually tries to tell Jesus what to do. That didn't turn out real well. But he, he's just a baby. You know what their verse is? When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. You were just infants. You're just a baby. You know what they need? Patience. If you just got saved... You know what your catchphrase is? Help me. I don't know what to do yet. And you know what follow, grow, and share looks like for you? It's just start reading your Bible. Grow. You need to get other people around you. Then share. Talk to your close family about what God's doing in your life. Is that where you are? You can do that, and you can take the next step. Here's the next one. That is a child. Now, this is a big one, okay? This is where a lot of people spend a lot of time because there's a lot of development. So let's go from a toddler till about 18 years old, somewhere in there, right? Your, your disciple is Thomas, always got questions, rough around the edges, you're growing, right? Your verse is, don't be childish in your understanding of these things, talking about spiritual gifts, but be mature in your understanding, um, in understanding matters of this kind. Your catchphrase is, it's all about me. That, that's, and you know what, for a season, that's okay, just like a toddler. They, they don't know that the world is bigger than them. They think that the entire world is there to serve them. That's just the way it is. So as a parent, what do you do? You, you give them patience, and then you give them discipline. You know, I heard someone say this one time when it comes to discipline of, of children. You have to find a way to break their will without breaking their spirit, right? In other words, to realize there's some things you can't do, there's some things you can do. Some things hurt people. And you got to figure that out. And that never I've never had a toddler thank me for telling them no, right? However, it is extremely important. So you know what children spiritually need? Discipline. And what you need is you need to submit yourself to a local church and get told no a few times. I know that's not comfortable, right? But that's how we grow. You, you don't grow much by being told, good job. You, get, you grow sometimes by going, that's good. Maybe do it this way a little bit. But you know how you grow with follow, grow, and share? Is you start reading the Bible consistently. Don't just read the passages you like. Read the ones that hurt your feelings because it's all good. How do you grow? You get in a life group and you submit yourself to the authority of a life group leader and you let them pour into you. And then share. Tell your coworkers. You see how it just builds from there. And then if you, if you make it through that, and I know you can, the next one is we're going to call them the young adults. These are the ones that, you know, they're, they're 18 to about 25. I don't know, somewhere in there. And it's your disciple is Andrew. Man, he was the guy when everybody else was panicking. There were 5,000 people that needed food. Andrew's the guy who went and found something. Now, it's debatable. He said he found a boy with five loaves and two fish. We don't know if he stole those. He beat the kid up. We don't know what happened. We just know he's all about finding a solution, right? And, but he was trying. And that's when all of a sudden you're at the age. Do you remember if you're a little older? Remember as a young adult? You start realizing, man, the world's much bigger than me. and That's awesome. So much to see, so much to do. That's what happens as you continue to grow. Your verses. let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ. Let us go on to become mature in our understanding. So if the, the unsaved is, show me. The, the, the infant is, help me. The child is, it's about me. You start to shift and you start to go, it's about him. It's all, it's all about Jesus. You start to realize who the hero of the story is. And you know what you need? You need mentoring. You need to get someone around you who's going to challenge you. That iron, sharpening iron, and you love it. Because even though it challenges you, and sometimes it hurts your feelings, you're getting closer to Jesus. And then there's one more stage, and that is what we're going to call the parent phase. And that's, your, your, your guy's John. John is the one that was, you know, according to himself, you know, he wrote, he wrote the gospel so he can say it, uh, the best friend of Jesus. He's the one that was always close and he's also the one that got the revelation of what was coming in the future. So there's, there's a lot too. Staying close to Jesus, but this is your verse. This will continue until all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. You know what you say? Is you don't just say it's about Him. You say it's about Him and His kids. In other words, you don't live your life for you anymore. You're not a child. You don't live your life just for him, even though that's great. You live your life for him and then to make a difference in the lives of all these babies. And so when you get ready to do something, you say, how's this going to affect the kids? What's this going to do? You know, and what you need is an opportunity to to walk with other people. Let me break it down for you one more time, and then we're going to end our time. Just to maybe bring this home. And that is, let me give you some for instances. For instance, Let's say that it's a, there's a possible sin issue. An unborn person says, please, yes, I'll take all, I, all you got, right? They don't know any better. An infant would say, what exactly is sin? They don't know, they're a baby. A child, you would say, God loves me so I can. A young adult would say, God loves me and his love frees me from having to do it. A parent says, how do my actions affect the infants? You see the progression of maturity. Let me give you another one. That is, what about tithing? Church, all the church wants is my money. Because they, they don't know, right? An infant, what exactly is giving? Where does it come from? A, ch- a child, how do I benefit? The, they, they need those little verses that, that tell them that they may give, but they're going to get a hundredfold return, right? They're immature. Young adults, yes sir, you want me to give? I'll give. Look at the parents, of course, it's my honor because they realize there's so much more going on. Let me give you one more. Let's do prayer. It's only to impress my date. <laughs> I'll do whatever I got to do. I don't believe in it, but sure, why not? How about this one? An infant, teach me. I don't know how. A child, only if God answers me. Young adult, how do I get better at it? A parent, it's relationship building. You see how it grows. And so no matter where you are, no matter what you've got going on in your life, God has a plan for you. And that is to become a disciple by following him, growing in freedom, and then sharing what you have found with everyone. And so wherever you are, there's a next step for you. And I want to read this verse as we get ready to end our time. And he says that, once again, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And then, then watch this at the end. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two young brothers, James and John. And he called out to them to come. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Is it possible that 2,000 years later, the echo of that call has never ended? Jesus is still calling. You know the reason why we are here right now? Is because when Jesus called those first disciples, and he said, go into all the nations and make disciples, somebody went. Because We are the other nations. We're on the other side of the world. And because someone went, here we are. And now, he's offering us the opportunity. But what we have to do is we have to accept it. So at Real Life Church, we've decided to accept the challenge that never ended. When he looked at his disciples and he said, this is what I want you to do. Go make disciples. So at Real Life Church, we exist to make disciples. And we do that the Jesus way. By following Jesus, growing in freedom, and then sharing Christ with everyone. And we want you to be part of that with us. Whatever it looks like, however long it takes, let's take this journey together. Because it's the journey of a lifetime. God bless you.